The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. 150 points at the open, down 277 right now. However, the Nasdaq is the most in the red. The tech-heavy index still impacted by Apple and Facebook trading lower since really strong earnings reports. But we are seeing a bounce back in some of the so-called Reddit stocks. That includes GameStop and AMC. You see GameStop here up 115%. Now, this comes after Robinhood announced it would allow limited buys of the volatile stocks today. The online trading platform had restricted trading in many of the names yesterday, Interactive Brokers, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, and others. They also put trading restrictions in place this week. Robinhood CEO Vlad Tenev speaking to CNBC late yesterday, addressing the widespread criticism his firm is now facing. I want to address some of the misinformation that's been out there because there's a lot of it. Um, we absolutely did not do this at the direction of any market maker or hedge fund uh, or anyone we route to or other market participants. Uh, the reason we did it was because uh, Robinhood is a brokerage firm. Uh, we have lots of financial requirements, including SEC net capital requirements. There's no liquidity problem. And to be clear, this was done preemptively. So we did this proactively uh, and thousands of other securities remain tradable on the platform. Customers that held these positions um, were able to sell them. And we're doing what we can to allow uh, buying and to remove these restrictions in the morning. And you can watch the full interview with Robinhood CEO on CNBC Pro. Meantime, the New York Times is reporting Robinhood is raising $1 billion from its, its existing investors. The trading platform is in need of cash, even after tapping several hundred million dollars from credit lines. All the worries about retail trading and speculative activity in the U.S. spilling over into the global markets, Asia closing lower overnight, and the major European markets seeing a lot of red this morning. Our Juliana Tattlebaum joins us now from our London newsroom. And Julia, what are you seeing over there? Well, Frank, you're absolutely right. The retail frenzy that you guys are so closely watching and analyzing over in the U.S. is certainly having an impact on European trade, with investors asking the question about whether this is just a fascinating story to watch or if it has actual implications and potential risks for financial market stability. So we are seeing the main benchmark trade down by about 1% this morning, very evenly spread losses across sectors and across regions. The auto sector, one of the key bright points this morning, but otherwise the majority of sectors are trading lower. One event that investors are watching closely today is the European Medicines Agency decision on AstraZeneca. They're expected to make a decision around whether to approve that drug later today. And here's a look for you at the Frankfurt listing of GameStop to give you a sense of how it's traded overnight, currently up about 113%. So the volatility continues in this stock. Frank? Juliana, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. All right, joining me now is Hennessy Funds Portfolio Manager Josh Wine. Josh, a lot to get into this morning. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Frank. Good morning. 
All right, let's kick things off. So you are very bullish on the market. While some see a potential bubble, you say the elevated valuations that many of us are kind of given a side eye to, they may look cheap down the line, and the current interest rates are a big factor. Can you kind of explain for us? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, the 10 year at 1% uh, and forward earnings on the S&P 500 at about 22%, you know, to kind of put those together, you know, that's a forward earnings yield of about four and a half percent on the S&P that spread over the 10 year of three and a half. That's pretty much where we were uh, before we started talking about the pandemic about 12 months ago or 13 months ago. Uh, so in, in that light, I think that the market uh, you know, you always have to look at interest rates. There's always this choice between the risk-free rate and and risk assets. So, I, yeah, I'm very, very bullish on the market. But you know, you can drown in a river that's on average two feet deep, and that and and it's things like GameStop and and other things that obviously are dominating the news that can knock people out of the game. And, and I think that you know, minimizing mistakes here and just playing the long game is is a big deal, as, as trite as that sounds. So speaking of GameStop, Bed Bath & Beyond, AMC, some of those other uh, Reddit revolution stocks, as Melissa Lee calls them, how, are they, how do you see those impacting the market over the next week even? Because we don't really know when this whole thing's going to wrap up. Sure. I don't. It's a great question. I, I think it impacts you know, the brokerage firms that are, I guess, quote, enabling the trading. And, and they're going to have to figure out how to, how to you know, watch their own balance sheets and and you know, make sure there's liquidity for their counterparties and, and the, the clearing houses. I don't think it affects the market. I mean, I think that, you know, I think I heard GameStop was the largest holding in the Russell 3000 at some point. So certainly anyone who's buying or selling GameStop is surely aware of the casino environment that surrounds that. I, I don't really see, I think what affects the market is is vaccination timelines and, and you know, not so much even in the U.S., but, you know, globally, I think the EU is struggling and South Africa and, and many other countries. So I think that I think GameStop is fun to think about because it's it kind of came out of nowhere to some degree. The victims are, quote, hedge funds. You know, if, if people don't typically feel badly for hedge funds. But right now right. we're trying to find the victim. There will be one uh, or many. Uh, but I, I think that that's noise. I think the market will trudge along and, and, and be just fine. Um, and we can talk later about some some names, but there's plenty of value out there. And, and you know, it, you know, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, You know, let, let's get into talking some stocks uh, that either you or the funds you own, uh, the funds you have own. Uh, you're bullish on mid cap stocks in particular. Um, this year, the Russell outperforming other indexes. So that makes sense. Do your picks, uh, are they a, a reopening play or are they a play that can kind of ride out any kind of uncertainty we might see? Sure. Yeah, I suppose to some degree they're a reopening play, but it's more, you know, they've performed throughout the pandemic. So looking at like a BJ's Wholesale Club or or Big Lots, which are in our Hennessy uh, mid-cap 30 fund, I mean, they've they've done quite well through the pandemic. I mean, we know the story with grocery and and retail and, and they fit squarely in that camp. I mean, I would point out that, you know, both are, you know, the markets at 22 times earnings, uh, you know, both, you know, Big lots at about 10 times earnings, BJ's at about 18, you know, both, you know, free generator, you know, strong generators of free cash flow. Uh, big lots pays a dividend, good give, dividend growth, you know, good balance sheet, so on and so forth. And I think at a time like this, it's really important to kind of look at very basic uh, approachable names like a big lots and, and realize that there's value, there's growth, there's strong balance sheets. You're not right. 
you know, just trying to sell to another buyer, you, you know, you, or buy from another seller. I mean, this is not a trading play. This is an investment. And I think that, uh, names like this will start to get more attention as people, you know, get clearer heads. All right, Josh Wine, we really appreciate the insight. Have a good day. Thanks, Frank. You too. Now turning to Washington, President Biden wrapping up his first full week in office. Among the agenda items, a push for a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. He'll meet today with his economic team, including newly confirmed Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. NBC's Tracy Potts joins us from the nation's capital with what we can expect. Good morning, Tracy. Frank, good morning. What the president wants to do is speed up this process, get money in people's wallets uh, faster, and a number of other things that are included in that package, like vaccine distribution. Republicans, though, are trying to slow it down and break it up. The White House confirming overnight they're not having that. Uh, The president having this meeting today to talk about how the delay in COVID relief out of Washington is affecting businesses and workers and families. As we continue to battle COVID-19. President Biden in a hurry to get $1,400 payments to Americans. First thing I got to do is get this COVID package passed. His $1.9 trillion stimulus includes money to distribute vaccines in Los Angeles. People are camping out hoping to get a shot. If there's any chance I can get it, it's totally worth staying in line for all day. Republicans say Biden's plan costs too much. They want to break it up. The White House says no, but he'll negotiate. We'll keep trying until the end, but but there's an urgency here. With extra unemployment running out in just over a month, Democrats want to vote next week with or without Republicans. It would be very disappointing, Madam President, if Democrats decided to shove a partisan bill through Congress without even attempting to work with Republicans. The White House COVID response team briefs again today, now faced with the new South African version of coronavirus showing up in two South Carolina patients who have not traveled. If we continue to have a slower than expected vaccine rollout, the newer strains could start to become the dominant strain, and that would be a disaster for the country. It's unclear how well the current vaccines can fight the new versions of this virus. Meantime, the White House confirming overnight that Alejandro Mayorkas, the incoming Homeland Security Secretary, will oversee the effort to reunite families separated at the border. It's part of all of those immigration orders that were delayed until next week. Mayorkas isn't expected to be confirmed until Monday. Frank. All right, Tracy, as always, a lot going on down there in D.C. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. When we come back, continuing coverage of a very volatile week on Wall Street. What high-profile investors, brokerage firm CEOs, regulators, politicians, and like all of us are saying about what many are calling a Reddit trading revolution. But first, as we had to break, check out this morning's biggest stock winners and biggest losers. Stay tuned. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
If you're just waking up, futures down this morning. The Dow set to drop more than 250 points at the open, but the Nasdaq, the most deeply impacted, the tech-heavy index, still seeing the impact from Facebook and Apple trading lower despite very strong quarterly reports. And check out some of the volatile short squeeze stocks we've been watching all week. Uh, Some eye-popping numbers here. No, we did not make a mistake. GameStop up more than 100%. Bed Bath & Beyond up over, uh, actually up only 17% right now. But if you look down there at Coscorp, one of those companies that has a lot of people scratching their head because there's thoughts that this Reddit revolution is all about nostalgia. Well, a lot of people wondering, where does Coscorp come in? Those shares up 111% this morning. And let's not forget, I know this GameStop story is taking over the world, but let's not forget it is still earning season. So let's get a check on some of the stocks moving on quarterly reports. SAP's fourth quarter net profit, that fell. The software maker confirming declines in operating profit and revenue, which it pre-announced earlier this month. SAP reiterating its guidance for the year, saying the shift to the cloud will drive its long-term growth. Visa, its fourth quarter profit beat forecast as payment volume rebounded thanks to a surge in online spending. The company announcing a new $8 billion stock buyback, but Visa is also not providing guidance for the year due to the COVID crisis, like many other companies. Mondelez reporting better than expected revenue in the fourth quarter. The company benefiting from higher demand for its snacks and, of course, its Oreos in developed markets. Renewed lockdowns in Europe and North America, forcing more consumers to stay at home during the holiday season and stock up on their favorite snack food and chocolates. Now turning to a sector that tells us a lot about the broader global economy. We're talking about transports. Three billion e-commerce shipments this holiday season. That's a record. It was also the ultimate test of the profitability of residential e-commerce. Last quarter, both FedEx and UPS, they improved their revenue per piece and their volume simultaneously on their ground divisions that handle almost all of e-commerce. And that was previously thought to be nearly impossible in B2C. Part of that, the push to click and collect. UPS offered a Target gift card for up to 15 bucks for picking up a package at one of its 15,000 access point locations, including the UPS store and Michael's. FedEx, they offered a $5 Walgreens credit for returning packages at one of the 9,000 drugstores. Both have learned from Amazon, where an estimated 50% of merchandise revenues come from the warehousing and the shipping of small and medium-sized businesses, also known as SMBs, that are a much higher margin business than larger retailers. Last quarter, UPS said SMBs have climbed to just about a quarter of their overall volume and residential SMB delivery increased by 62 percent. UPS partnering with Square to offer discounts up to 55 percent off shipping rates to attract more and more of those SMBs. FedEx saying in part, we are prioritizing business from small and medium customers, ensuring we protect the business that will stay with FedEx for the long term. FedEx has partnered with Big Commerce to give discounts up to 40 percent for ground shipping. And you have to think about this. Just about a third of small businesses, they still don't have a website, according to some estimates, leaving a lot of of, uh, room this year for that higher margin business to be one. All right. So to come here on Worldwide Exchange, why Washington politicians are taking notice of this week's trading volatility and what many of them say should be done about it. A live report from D.C. still ahead. But first, as we head to break, check out this morning's biggest stock winners and its biggest losers. Stay tuned. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the very latest. Good morning, Philip. Hey, Frank. Good to see you. Good morning. Thousands remain under evacuation orders in central California this morning after heavy rains caused dangerous mudslides. A series of powerful winter storms pounded the mountains with a deluge of rain and snow, sending debris cascading down rivers. Officials say 25 structures were damaged in Monterey County and at least one person was injured. There's controversy in New York this morning over the true toll COVID has taken on the elderly. A months-long investigation by New York Attorney General Letitia James accuses the state of undercounting COVID-related nursing home deaths by as much as 50%. The report says the state did not report nursing home residents who died of coronavirus while in hospitals. And it claims some nursing homes failed to isolate residents who tested positive. Governor Andrew Cuomo declined to comment to NBC News, but New York State's health commissioner says the Department of Health has consistently reported numbers based on the place of death. And the legendary Cicely Tyson has died at the age of 96. Tyson's acting career spanned seven decades. She brought to life roles that shattered racial stereotypes and paved the way for black actresses. The groundbreaker was honored for that very thing by former President Barack Obama back in 2016. Tyson said that receiving that Medal of Freedom was her most important accomplishment. Frank, back to you. Yeah, you know, Philip, certainly a legend, uh, just an amazing career. And I think one of the best things about it is that she got exposed or uh, younger people were exposed to her and how to get away with murder and the help in recent years, really getting to appreciate someone this talented. Yeah, she had an amazing life story. Started a little girl growing up in Harlem, kicked out of her house, and now just an iconic influence for generations. Certainly have to celebrate her life. Philip, thanks a lot. Happy Friday. All right. Happy Friday to you. Coming up, Robinhood CEO and why his company limited buying in GameStop and what happens next. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the CNBC app, Worldwide Exchange. We're back in a moment. Stay with us. Good morning. Stocks under pressure as Wall Street closes the books on a very volatile week. We're seeing some wild swings in GameStop, AMC, and those other stocks with heavy short interest. Individual investors, they continue to battle Wall Street hedge funds. Brokerages, including Robinhood, are are introducing trading restrictions. And politicians say they're now ready to step in. It is Friday, January the 29th, 2021. We've got it all covered. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back. I'm Frank Collin in for Big Papa, Brian Sullivan. Let's get you right over to the markets. A lot to watch this morning. Stock futures indicating that the Dow is going to open up lower, 250 points lower. To, it actually, that, that, that uh, red got deeper here, 282 points lower. But we're seeing a bounce back in some of those so-called Reddit stocks, including GameStop and AMC. This comes after Robinhood announced it would allow limited buys of those volatile stocks today. The online trading platform had restricted trading in many of the names yesterday. Interactive brokers, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, and others also put trading restrictions in place this week. 
Robinhood CEO Vlad Tenev speaking to CNBC late yesterday, addressing the widespread criticism that his firm is now facing. We realize customers are upset with this. Uh, it, it was not an easy decision. Um, ultimately, the team uh, made the correct decision here. So um, what we can do is move forward, focus on giving customers the most stable and reliable platform going forward. Um, and we've, we've invested a lot in that. And we've actually seen some great progress and uh, taking all the steps we can to make sure customers can buy the securities that they want to buy without restrictions in the future. And you can watch the full interview with Robinhood CEO on CNBC Pro. Meantime, the New York Times is reporting Robinhood is raising $1 billion from its existing investors. The trading platform is in need of cash, even after tapping several hundred million dollars from its credit lines. And now lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, they're starting to issue warnings that all this market activity around GameStop could warrant regulatory or even legislative scrutiny. Alan Moy joins us with joins us with more reaction from Capitol Hill. And Alan, when you see Ted Cruz and AOC on the same side, uh, you got to raise an eyebrow. Well, that's right, Frank, and good morning. Republicans and Democrats on Capitol Hill say they want to take a closer look at what happened this week. And now both the House and the Senate are planning to hold hearings on this. The chairwoman of the House Financial Services Committee, Maxine Waters, said that she wants to rein in abusive practices. And her focus is on short selling, online trading platforms, gamification, and the systemic impact on capital markets and retail investors. Now, no date has been set yet for either hearing, and there are no witnesses yet announced, but it's clear that lawmakers smell something fishy and they want to find out more. Here is Senator Elizabeth Warren on CNBC yesterday. There are rich people on both sides of this, people who are uh, trying, it appears, to manipulate this market. And that's what we don't know the details of. For a long time now, the SEC has pulled back and not made sure that we have an honest market. Now, a lot of the ire is focused on Robinhood. Representative Ro Khanna tweeting that there should be an investigation into Robinhood's decision to stop purchases of GameStop. And he said that shows the need for a financial transaction tax on hedge fund shorting and SEC regulations on short selling practices. Now, as you alluded to, the backlash is also creating some strange bedfellows when Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, this is unacceptable. It was GOP Senator, Senator Ted Cruz who tweeted back, fully agree. But there's at least one Republican who is warning against a knee-jerk reaction here. Senator Pat Toomey is cautioning both regulators and Congress against needlessly inserting themselves into the market. Frank, he said that investors should accept the consequences of their decisions, gains and losses. Back to you. Some interesting stuff going on there down on Capitol Hill. Uh, Another big issue for uh, lawmakers, stimulus. What's the latest on that? Yeah, so next week, Congress is going to undertake a complex but very important process. Both the House and the Senate are going to vote on a budget resolution. And that is really the first step in a process known as reconciliation, which allows Democrats to pass a COVID relief bill without Republican support. They only need 51 votes to do it. And the reason why this vote is going to be so important is because it is going to set the price tag for the stimulus bill. We expect that number to be $1.9 trillion, which is what Biden had proposed. But the debate over that, especially within the Democratic caucus itself, will show you where the support lies for different pieces of the program and whether there's even appetite 
for going that big. Already we're hearing some progressive Democrats saying that that $1.9 trillion should be a floor, not a ceiling. Others are really worried about going that big this fast. And so there is going to be an important debate around the size of the package. But once they take that vote, that number is locked in. They will not be able to go any higher than that number, though, Frank, technically they would be able to come in below that number with the size of the package. But the reality here is if you get a $1.9 trillion blank check, it's highly unlikely you're not going to spend it all. Alain Moy with the very latest from Washington. We appreciate it. Thank you. And today marks the first full week of President Biden being in office. And so far, he signed 24 executive orders from mask mandates to climate initiatives. For more on President Biden's policy so far, let's bring in Rajiv Shah, the president of the Rockefeller Foundation. Good morning, Raj. Good morning. How are you? So let's get into this. Um, We're going to get into the executive orders in just a minute. But you say that COVID-19 is the greatest accelerant of inequity and inequality in human history. Can you kind of explain how that's impacting the U.S. and maybe even the markets? Well, COVID-19 is certainly the greatest accelerant for inequity since World War II in the United States. We've seen, you know, globally, 2,200 billionaires around the world have gained about $2 trillion of net wealth over the last year, while, you know, 60% of American households are getting by week to week. And we see child hunger and real suffering at all-time highs in, in terms of post-World War II history in the United States. So it is a tremendous inequity. Globally, we've seen about $28 trillion of economic value be wiped out. That's an estimate by the International Monetary Fund. And 425 million people pushed back under a global poverty line. That's by the World Bank. So that, that's actually why the Rockefeller Foundation has committed a billion dollars to a global recovery that is both green and equitable and, you know, partnering with and working with the Biden administration to tackle COVID-19 in the United States. But just as important around the world is actually step one in that effort. And Raj, you worked in the Obama administration, so I'm sure you're keeping some eyes on this administration. Let's talk about President Biden's executive orders. What do you think of the ones he signed so far? And have any of them addressed the situation that you're talking about? Well, you know, it's executive orders and uh, policymaking. And I, I would say that the, the commitment to vaccinate uh, 100 million inoculations in 100 days, which it looks like uh, could be exceeded and should be exceeded, uh, the commitment to open the majority of uh, the great majority of K through eight schools across America within 100 days and the executive orders and the resources to invest in global vaccination, a four billion dollar request to rejoin uh, to rejoin the, you know, the the World Health Organization and to fund uh, COVAX, which is the international collaboration of nations and partners to purchase and distribute vaccines in the emerging world is critical. Because otherwise, you know, we're just going to keep getting more variants as we see real replication happen in high volume and high population places where there's a lot of incidents and there's not a lot of public health response. And that's a real threat to the future of the U.S. economy and the global economy. So these are critical, necessary steps, all of which are achievable. The Rockefeller Foundation has done some of the pilot studies on schools, for example, around the country to demonstrate that, in fact, it's safe for kids to go to school under the right conditions if we can make investments and provide technical support to those schools so our kids can get back at it. Let's talk about climate change, certainly a global issue. Uh, The Biden administration has also addressed that in the the early days. How does climate change impact inequity and inequality as well? Well, in general, we see that these major crises, you know, COVID-19, 
and climate change, which is coming, is already here and is coming faster than uh, most people appreciate, is going to cause and exacerbate these great inequities in society. So, so if we're ever to have a chance to make the investments to recover from the current crisis and create jobs, both in the United States and around the world, now is the time to invest in a green recovery. And, and the Biden administration plans to put $2 trillion into infrastructure as it relates to a green recovery is going to be really important on a global basis. The, the foundation has invested in efforts to, for example, bring renewable energy to places like northern India and eastern Africa. The reason that's important is the alternative is hundreds of gigawatts of new coal, often financed by China, as a development pathway for the rest of the world. And we will never tackle climate change without truly global coordinated action. So rejoining Paris and, and having Secretary Kerry lead that charge is an extraordinarily positive sign towards American renewed leadership on global climate change. Let's turn back to the U.S. economy. Uh, the Biden agenda is obviously unfolding in front of our eyes right now as we speak. What do you think investors need to know about some of the policies, initiatives and executive orders that you expect to see coming up? Well, first, I think you'll see uh, much more stability in terms of how America handles its uh, trade relationships and how America handles its overall governance of the economy. Uh, you'll see, I think, a real focus on making sure that working American families benefit more from federal action. Uh, we saw, you know, in the, in the past, we've seen, and I mentioned, how so much of the actual benefits of the programs that were put in place, take the PPP program, went to larger co corporations and did not reach uh, lower income, uh, minority owned businesses around America. I think the average application was about $20,000 from black and brown owned businesses. And two thirds of those businesses never got any benefits whatsoever. So going forward, uh, I take encouragement in the fact that the proposals put forth are really squarely focused on working families, help those who are hurting, focus public health resources on those communities that have the highest rates of incidence and mortality and do it in a science-based way that is, you know, clear-eyed about the nature of this threat and how this could be a long-term threat if we don't act in a coordinated global way. Well, I think we all hope it is not a long-term threat. Raj Shah from the Rockefeller Foundation, thank you very much for your time. All right, coming up, American Airlines among the stocks caught up in that short interest trading frenzy. We're going to talk about that carrier and the entire industry. That's coming up next. But first, as we head to break, some of your other headlines. Novavax says its COVID vaccine was more than 89% effective in its phase three clinical trial. Shares of the biotech company jumping on that news. The New York Times reporting Facebook is looking to court independent writers by working on newsletter tools for journalists. The effort will be part of the company's new journalism project. And McKinsey is reportedly close to a settlement with several state attorneys general over advice it gave to Purdue Pharma and other opioid manufacturers. Stay tuned. Worldwide Exchange will be back right in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. If you are just waking up, futures right across the board. The Dow on track to open up. Wow, 297 points lower. It keeps falling this morning from earlier levels. The S&P and the Nasdaq both also on pace to open up at least a percent lower. And check out some of the volatile short squeeze stocks we've been watching all week long. Take a look at them. GameStop up more than 100 percent this morning. Coscorp also up more than 100 percent this morning. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, kind of the laggard in this group, believe it or not, up 13 percent. And a lot of talk about the airline industry. Right now, 
American, uh, becoming the latest stock to get caught up in this whole Reddit trading frenzy. It's now the most shorted U.S. carrier. And as for the health of the sector, now that the major airlines have reported Q4 results, we can officially say 2020 saw $34 billion in losses for the U.S. airline industry. It's historic, I would assume. Joining us now is Stephen Trent, airlines analyst at Citigroup. Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this a historic loss for our U.S. airline industry? Absolutely. And good morning to you. Um, it's absolutely an historic loss. Um, and the crisis itself has been unprecedented. So uh, I think you were spot on in terms of your introduction on 2020. So I have to ask you, so we're talking about $34 billion in losses. We're also hearing airlines saying that domestic COVID-19 testing would be a headwind for them, even though a lot of public health officials believe it's needed. Then we see a company like Southwest reporting its first annual loss in about 50 years. Have we actually seen the bottom for airlines or can they fall further? I think in terms of what we're seeing operationally, if you look at the daily TSA throughput numbers, they did bottom in mid-April of 2020. um, And you've seen a recovery uh, in non-business travel uh, that's been extremely uneven. So we had a couple of days in December where we passed a million passengers per day. uh, And now we've rolled back down. So with very little business travel, uh, we get to these typically non-holiday periods and and, and travel itself is very rough. So uh, I think in terms of the earnings side of that, um, you know, that's harder to say. Uh, Do we have another uh, suppressed period for three weeks or three months? That will be a big determinant. So uh, it would be hard to um, get as bad again um, as we were in April of 2020, but we're hardly out of the woods. So, Stephen, American Airlines has also been touched by what uh, Melissa Lee calls the Reddit revolution. Uh, That stock up double digits this morning, uh, up 14 percent intraday yesterday. So are the fundamentals and just the financials out the window on a stock like this? Do you just look at this retail investor frenzy? Are you willing to buy? Where are you at on American Airlines? Certainly. So I think when we look at this uh, phenomenon um, and we try to Uh, ascertain uh, what sort of fundamental drivers are going into the rally. Why is this happening? Um, Is this a big fundamental shift or is this some kind of retail investor slash uh, social media type uh, initiative where the latter, it's very hard to put math on that. So when we look at American Airlines, um, you know, some fundamental blocking and tackling uh, you know, the carrier reported a $2.2 billion net loss. Uh, it's got $34 billion in, in net debt reported for the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, that's $13 billion more than Delta or United. Um, and that doesn't even include $7 billion in pension liabilities. So why should this one be having a big rally? Uh, we'd still like to Uh, do fundamental blocking and tackling on this one. So uh, we are uh, quite cautious on on the recent price action. Uh, I don't think you're the only one, Stephen. Stephen Trent, thanks a lot for your insight. We appreciate it. My pleasure. On deck, from Mark Cuban to Senator Elizabeth Warren, what high-profile investors, business leaders, and politicians are telling CNBC about this week's trading frenzy. And if you haven't already subscribed to our new podcast, you should just go ahead and do it. Worldwide Exchange, every day in audio form, 
If you miss us, you miss Brian Sullivan, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Worldwide Exchange, we'll be right back. People who are who are making the push aren't who we expect them to be, and so that's why I like it. <laughs> you know, when you bring people out of nowhere to to really show the inefficiencies of the market, it's a good thing. There is a laudable sentiment that people want to be connected to our economy, that they want to participate, but there's also great danger here. Anytime stocks depart from fundamentals, they return eventually, and people get hurt. We've watched the internet now over the last ten. 15- Fifteen years, thanks to the rise of social media and, and all this infrastructure, um, really bring a bottom-up revolution to so many industries. We've seen this across uh, media. We've seen this across so many different sectors, and now it is happening uh, to finance. And I, I mean, it's uh, it's it's nothing short of remarkable. There'll be a shakeout. A lot of people lose a lot of money, and uh, on the long run, that's never good for business. If the customers lose money, that's not good for business. But I said they should pay attention to what they are buying and why they are buying it. And they should buy stocks because they think that the companies are doing well and they will do better and the stocks will go up for that reason, not because of a short, short squeeze. Investors investing in GameStop should absolutely be able to do it. Um, you know, they should be warned of the risks, obviously, and they shouldn't be putting their life savings into it or food they need to eat. But I think it's terrific. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to lose money around this, a lot of money that they can't afford to lose. This is why we need an SEC that has clear rules about market manipulation and then has the backbone to go in and enforce those rules. And that was just a taste of the powerful newsmakers on CNBC yesterday talking about this trading frenzy. We're going to take a look at the futures this morning and read across the board, the Dow on track to, to drop more than 250 points at the open. Now, let's talk our financials. Over the last three months, the S&P 500's financials have been a clear market outperformer. Dom Chu joins us, joins us now with a closer look. Hey, Dom. It's the, the value trade that's come back, Frank, and that's a big deal here because it may signal a changing shift in investor sentiment towards what types of stocks they want to look at in 2021. Now, it was big tech last year. Maybe it's big tech again right now, but still. Take a look at the outperformance for sure because if you look at the S&P 500 in ETF form, the ticker SPY, it's up roughly 13% over the last three months. Meanwhile, the financial sector ETF is up 23% a huge outperformance there. Again, just three months, 10% of a gap there. But it's not everybody that's participating. Yes, they're all broadly higher by industry group and stocks, but take a look at the real outperformers here. It is the banks, maybe intuitively so given the rise in interest rates and everything else. But according to data from Wide Charts, they took a look at every stock within the sector and then equally weighted them into baskets based upon industry. If you take that equal weight basket, The banks are up 39% over the course of the last year. Look at the asset management firms, up 30%. Now, the insurance companies are up 20, and data and exchange operators, 
roughly 3% declines there. So if you take a look at the overall picture for what's actually outperforming, Frank, it is the banks right now. The issue is whether or not they can stay that way if interest rates don't continue on their upward trajectory. That's going to be a theme to watch in the coming weeks and months, Frank. Yeah, those interest rates impacting a lot of different sectors, including materials and industrials, Dom. What's your take on them with the current interest rate environment? What's my t- so on the financials versus materials and industrials? Exactly. It's it's more the idea right now that if there's any one sector that's most levered to interest rates, it will often be the banks, and not just because they have financial instruments at play, but because they make their business from it. If those interest rates start to normalize, get back to higher levels, if the gaps between long-term rates and short-term rates become bigger and bigger, that might signal that the banks have more power ahead to kind of get their business models in place and full steam. The other issue right now is whether or not you do see some of these banks continue to pay back dividends, share repurchases. That's been a big theme for many of these banks since the great financial crisis. If they continue to do that, there may be even more of an investor impetus to go into banks if they know they're going to get paid their dividends and, of course, their share repurchases, Frank. Well, Dom, we've got to touch on one more thing. What everybody in the world's talking about right now, the Reddit revolution. What's your take on the latest developments? Also, GameStop back up again this morning after dipping yesterday. American Airlines now part of this. So the the thing that I'll be watching closely is whether or not you do see these trading curbs being gradually lifted, whether or not it does add to some more volatility. The reason why it's important right now is because we have options expirations coming up not too far in the the future, of course, today and then again in the next couple of weeks as well. If those options markets and expirations start to get very messy and chaotic, that might signal that perhaps you do need to ratchet back some of the risk around these types of stocks. And maybe these brokers were right in doing what they did. But here's the thing. The, The real reason why this volatility is happening is straight up leverage. If people are using margin accounts and if they are using options markets to play in these, the volatility just gets exacerbated way beyond that. I can tell you this, Frank, if you told investors that they could only buy this stock with cash outright, not borrowed money, not using the options market, I doubt you'd see this kind of volatility in these types of stocks. Dom Chu with Sectronomics and much more. We appreciate it. Dom. Thanks. All right, back over to the broader markets. And despite yesterday's gains, the major averages are all down more than 1% for the week. Your next guest says patience is the rarest commodity on Wall Street. And he's sitting until he gets a clearer picture of where these equities are going. Jeff Saad is the founder of Saad Strategy and a member of the advisory board at Capital Wealth Planning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Thank you. So a lot of people believe the market's in a bubble, perhaps ready to pop in coming days. This volatility with the GameStop and, and the Reddit revolution certainly not helping things. But you believe that the bubble, if there is one, is only confined to mega tech caps, uh, mega cap tech stocks. Can you kind of explain your, your theory here? Well, I mean, if, if you look at the stocks, uh, you know, they've gone up huge. Uh, their valuations are, are, are not appropriate for uh, the fundamentals backing them up. Uh, we played the rally off the October lows pretty hard, and then about four weeks ago, our intermediate and short-term models flashed a sell signal. We sold half our trading positions. In retrospect, we should have, we should have sold them all. Uh, but there hadn't been that much of a correction. When the, when the market peaked four weeks ago, it was around 37.87, and we're at about uh, 37.77 right now. So there hadn't been much of a drawdown. I, I, I still am not comfortable going long right here on a trading basis. Uh, but we, we haven't disturbed any of our investment positions because we think longer term, the secular bull market is alive and well and has years left to run. 
So you're a bit bearish on big tech, but you're bullish on disruptive tech. Where can investors find exposure to that? And should they look at individual stocks, sector, or ETFs? Well, my investment model is pretty, pretty simple. I learned from Peter Lynch that investing is not all that complicated. And we start with a base of mutual funds. And I only invest in mutual funds where I know the portfolio managers, like Amy Zhang and Alder or Tom O'Halloran at Lord Abbott. And then because I talk to these portfolio managers, I hear individual ideas. And I was an analyst. I was a portfolio manager. Um, and I can spend 30 minutes looking at the fundamentals of an individual company and decide if I want to start buying it. So it's a pretty simple strategy, but it actually works very well as long as you manage the risk and keep your losses small. So, Jeff, speaking of fundamentals, what's your take on this Reddit revolution, the impact it's having on stocks like GameStop and American Airlines? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, I don't play in those kind of stocks. It's nonsense. If you're looking for stocks that are in bubbles, those are the stocks uh, that are in bubbles. But you can look around at a lot of stocks, like a Raymond James, whose fundamentals are solid and the stock's not that expensive. So what's your take on the Russell's outperformance this year? What does that say to you about the economy and investor sentiment that the mid-caps, which are also often seen as the reopening index, are doing better than all the others? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, over the long term, small caps and mid caps tend to outperform. Uh, valuations there are cheap or cheap relative to, to, the, to the market. Um, and uh, people are still woefully underinvested. And I, think, I think money will find its way into the small and mid cap space. And I think that's a good space to be in right now. All right, Jeff Salt, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. All right, we're going to take one more look at the futures this morning before we go. Uh, all, all red across the board this morning. Uh, the Dow looking like it's going to open up more than two, oh, just about 250 points higher. Seen a lot of changes this morning. The Nasdaq and the S&P also in the red. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.